Thank you, Steve. Am I on? Excellent. Well, good morning. It's great to be with you. Uh, a few of you in person and most of you online. Uh, I used to hate being filmed or having my voice recorded in any way, so lockdown has been a great learning curve. Uh, I'm a freelance translator, but I'm also, uh, I also have the privilege of being PA to Steve Thomas, who leads Sultan Light Ministries, uh, which is the international family of churches OCC is part of. And I grew up in France, and I speak fluent French, and the combination of these two factors led me to getting involved in some uh, street outreach in France. Uh, for those of you who've been around Oxford long enough, and maybe elsewhere, you may remember the turning. So we had a fortnight of just going out in the streets in those, that dim and distant past where it was okay to go up to a stranger and shake hands. And it was great. There were hundreds of people got to hear the gospel. A good number of them uh, were really touched by that. But what moved me the most was the very last evening when all these churches, it started with two or three, and then others had started joining in with this. And all people from all these different churches were gathered together. I felt I had a word to give, so I, I went up and I held the mic. And then I just couldn't speak. I was choking up with tears because I grew up in that very region of France and I had never seen churches work together in this way. And yet here they were, Christians from all these different churches holding hands and celebrating together what God had done. Unity is such a beautiful thing. And the psalm we're going to look at today, Psalm 133, uh, is, it talks about unity and how wonderful it is. So if you've got a Bible or a device on which to access the Bible, please be finding Psalm 133 and we'll read it in just a minute. It's a very short psalm written by David, who was king of Israel. And it has a curious title. It's a song of ascents. There are 15 psalms in total that have this title. So it was a title really given to a collection of psalms before the book we know as the psalms uh, was collated together. And uh, it's uncertain exactly when that collection was made or what it was used for. But the general consensus is that it would have been used as the Israelites gathered together to worship, possibly on a pilgrimage after the end of the exile that Johnny mentioned last week, uh, going up to Jerusalem, possibly just going up to the temple for a religious festival. Uh, but that's what that's about. So if you've got it now, we'll read it together. A Song of Ascents of David. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life evermore. I don't know what picture that conjures up for you. I have two adorable little nephews. And like most children, they're at their most adorable when they're playing together happily. And there is obviously, a, unity starts with that simple fact of getting on together well and being happy together. But it's more than that. 
David, as I said, was king of Israel. But even before his reign, at the beginning of his reign and during his reign, there was conflict within Israel. If you look at the lives of David's own children, between them, they were guilty of incestuous rape, of murder, and of rebellion. David, when talking about unity between brothers, is clearly not just saying something nice about brothers getting on. He is talking about something that is so much more profound than that. The term brothers obviously can refer to a male sibling, but is also used by the Israelites and then adopted by the church, uh, that terminology of brothers and sisters, to refer to belonging to the same family of God, to the people of God, which is a translation that some of the more modern versions use. So it means a common identity. So yes, unity starts in the family, but it is beyond that. It is unity within the whole people of God. And it's not just about getting on together either. It's about living together in unity. You may remember a couple of weeks ago, Dan Cain spoke on Psalm 91 about dwelling in the shadow of the Most High. It's the same Hebrew verb, so it has this meaning of settling down together, of making a deliberate decision to commit to one another. So David is saying that unity is a precious thing. It's a powerful thing, something to be pursued. He illustrates how precious it is with two pictures of oil and dew, which might not make immediate sense to a 21st century British mindset. But 3,000 years ago, which is approximately when this psalm was written, in a dry Middle Eastern climate, people needed something to protect their skin from sun and sand. And so oil was used as a moisturizer. It was also used to tend wounds. So in itself, it, it was a valuable commodity. But this isn't just any old oil. This is the precious oil that was poured over Aaron. And Aaron was the brother of Moses and was the first high priest of, over Israel. And in Exodus and Leviticus, we read that God commanded Moses to have a perfumer make this oil made of a special and rare fragrances and spices. And when Aaron was made high priest, Moses was to pour this oil over him as a sign of his dedication to God. And the sheer volume of it obviously speaks of lavishness, of generosity, but also because it was this fragrant oil that was poured out in such quantities, it would have just overpowered any other scent around. Unity, David says, is precious, it's costly, it shows our dedication to God, but it also changes the atmosphere. Dew, what's that about? As I mentioned, I grew up in France, and one year we studied the UK in geography, and the teacher asked me to do a presentation. So I got some information and some pictures together, showed them around, and then the teacher asks me, why are all these pictures so green? Confused, I reply, because I chose the prettiest ones I could find. 
He was a geography teacher. He was looking for a geographical fact. It rains more in the UK, and that rain brings us life and allows the plant life to flourish. And so the trees and the grass and the flowers and the bushes come up and we have this gorgeous green countryside. Not so in the Middle East. In Israel in particular, it doesn't rain for six months of the year. Plant life is dependent upon the dew that falls. And again, this isn't just any old dew. This is the dew of Hermon. Hermon is a mountain in the north of Israel. And because of clever climactic facts that I don't quite understand, it gets a lot of snow and rain. And uh, Sorry, snow and dew. It's a particularly heavy dew. And then the snow melts over the summer and provides more water. So this is the best dew, the most life-giving dew around. And it's falling on strangely enough, Mount Zion, which is in the south of the country because that's where Jerusalem is built. And so David is saying that it's like that unity amongst the people of God, the family of God, is like the best, most life-giving dew around, falling where God lives. And the church is described as the temple of God in the New Testament. So unity brings life and it shows God's favour on his people. And it is met by God's blessing, by his life. But unity wasn't just something that David thought was important. Jesus also did. In John 17, 23, Jesus prays this. May they, that is all those who believe in him, be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you love me. So unity isn't just nice for us. It's actually a key part of our witness to the world. Um, it is there so that the world can believe that the Father sent Jesus the Son and so that the world can see and, the, and that the church can know that God loves us as he loves Jesus. A few, uh, this last Christmas, actually, somebody commented uh, about my sisters and me that there's never a crossword between them, I wish. But what there is between us is a unity, a we have learned, our parents have taught us to prefer one another, to love one another, to give way to one another. And in that way of interacting, people can't help but notice there is something special about it. When we are united as God's family, it speaks volumes to the world. And so it's no surprise that it, that has been under attack from the very early days of the church. We studied the book of Philippians over uh, lockdown. And you may remember Paul telling a couple of women there to be reconciled. And obviously then uh, we've had wars of religion. Today, possibly, we're not so tempted to take up arms to defend our particular doctrine or practice. But there's a, a more subtle risk of being taken in by the polarization of society and starting to believe that if somebody disagrees with me, then I can reject them. They are clearly not a good person. But that is not what, God, not what God says. In God's eyes, in a way, we're all bad people because we have all sinned against him. And yet he himself chooses to offer us all, each and every one of us, undeserved grace and mercy. And more than that, 
God himself is the one who allows us to have such diversity because no one people group, no one way of thinking could fully represent who God is. We need each other. And so unity is not about all thinking the same thing or doing the same thing, but it's about seeing our differences as different parts, different tools that we can have to represent God to the world. Another picture that the New Testament uses of the body, of the church, is the body. And the eye and the foot do not perceive the world in the same way. They do not respond to the world in the same way. Yet, in order for me to get here from my chair, I needed my eyes and my feet to work together with their different strengths. In fact, I have a neuromuscular condition and walking is difficult because my foot is not properly aligned with the rest of my body. And that causes pain and difficulty. For the body to function well, there needs to be alignment between the different parts. There needs to be understanding of the gifts and the strengths and a willingness to work together with that. And so unity... It's not about trying to say, I am right, and imposing that upon the rest of the world. Rather, it's about bringing Christ's glory. What will bring Christ's glory? Yes, there are times we need to challenge each other because there are things that we do say, believe that are wrong. But in that, the question is not, prove, how do I prove to them that they're wrong? But how can we use this to bring glory to Christ? And yes, God is glorified but when people repent, yes, God is glorified when people have a greater understanding of who he is. But Jesus is also glorified when we are willing to put aside our own opinions, our own way of thinking, what we consider to be our rights, and say, actually, I am going to value Jesus. I am going to value the unity of the church above my own thoughts. How do we do that? Well, it is only through God's grace. Just as God is the one who commanded that oil to be made and poured over Aaron, just as God is the one who created the laws of nature that allow the dew and the snow to fall on Hermon, God is the one who gives us our grace and our unity. So in order to have unity within the church, we need to be in a right relationship with God so that we can be calling on his grace, that grace and forgiveness he has shown us so lavishly, so generously, that we can then offer it to other people. And know that we together are working as a global church towards seeing Christ's glory fill the whole earth. There are many ways we can start this. It may be something as simple as knowing that you are in conflict with another brother or sister in Christ and offering them, if it's safe and if it depends upon you, that reconciliation. You may need to apologize. You may need to offer forgiveness. You may need to do a bit of both. But in as far as it depends on you, help the body of Christ find that realignment. But more than that, it may be 
that you have never actually explored the richness and the beauty of the diversity of the church. It may be that you've never quite understood how we can be diverse and united. So why not, especially at this time when it's so easy to access what other churches are doing, why not take the occasion, um, maybe during August when, we have, uh, when we're not doing live streams ourselves, but also during the rest of the week, um, to follow another church service to engage with something that they're doing and start to appreciate the gifts that God has given, a different expression, a different culture maybe. And if God has been saying anything else to you whilst I've been speaking, please do that. Please tell someone. It helps bring accountability, but also means you know that somebody is praying for you as you're doing it. But whatever you do, let us together as a church, both locally and globally, pursue unity to bring life like the dew, to change the atmosphere like that precious oil, to receive God's blessing and to testify powerfully to the world that the Father sent the Son to save it.